Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So here we are again, empowering chats with Susan Burrell, and we're riffing on the word empowerment for 2020. And we're now on the second E in the word empowerment. And when I was working this word, it brought up all sorts of interesting stuff. So I'm just going to throw it out there for you to think about for over the next uh, few weeks. The word is emancipate. And emancipate means to free from restraint or influence. And I use it as freeing from the inner bondage, the things that are keeping us stuck. So freeing yourself from your past beliefs or your past story or the, the thing that you run around with all the time. Emancipate yourself from that. Release it so that you can live an empowered life in 2020 and beyond. <laughs> and here's our show for today. I want to welcome everybody to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. I am just in awe of how the world works, how the universe works, how everything is happening, and we don't know why. I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. But the reason why we don't know why, I'm just going to say at the top of this, is because there is something bigger happening, and there's so many moving pieces so many millions of people that we can't control it. And that happens often when there is a new thing uh, birthing, if you will, a new thing that's coming into existence. And everybody wants to hold on to what was because that's comfortable. I know how I act in that. I know how I function in that. I know what I'm, I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to show up. And I'm just telling everybody, uh, like I told my guests just before we started, just ride the wave. And when you're riding a wave, you can't control where that wave's going to take you, except that you know you're going to end up at shore. And just stay on top of that wave, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Don't let the riptide drag you under and tear you apart. Just stay on top and allow yourself to uh, just surf it in, you know, because there's no controlling anything that's happening right now. So the idea of surrender, which a lot of people don't like, is the vital thing that will help keep you sane. And I'm just saying that at the top. In the meantime, if you're uh, on house arrest, if you're in social distancing, isolation, lockdown, I invite you to uh, get my book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey book. Now might be the time for you to kind of excavate who and what you were, your belief systems, and begin to rebuild your life from the inside out. That's the work I do. And I am here to support all of you in how you come out of this entire experience so that you're coming out of it better and feeling empowered and feeling healthy and whole and happy to be alive. So with all that said, I want to invite my guest today who is, well, you guys are going to fall in love with her. I just know that. But she works with empowerment as well. She has a, um, 
a website called empoweredworth.com. She's written a book, an international bestseller, everybody, woohoo, called Empower Your Worth, A Woman's Guide to Increasing Self-Worth and Net Worth. And so I want to welcome Victoria Lowell. Victoria, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Susan. I am so honored to be here and um, to, you know, be with such a, an empowering woman. I always say empowered women empower and you are the, the, you know, the picture that should be next to that phrase. Oh, okay. I say yes. <laughs> and you know, it's so interesting when I was reading um, the title of your book, I was just getting these chills, which to me means that there's so much truth. So there must be a lot of truth in your book because yeah. it's, it, it was resonating with me. Thank you. Yes. Um, you know, the book is really, it starts off very anecdotal. Um, I just a little background for the audience. Yes, I was, a, I was a financial advisor, um, at a, the branch a Miami branch of a wall street firm. I'm not allowed to give their name out. <laughs> um, but I was a financial advisor and I grew just really, really, really frustrated with the fact that women would come in, you'd see them once, you wouldn't see them again. Then you'd see their partner, usually the husband would come in and do all the financial planning. I also started, um, after my, my book of business was established, I wanted to do a niche and my niche was women. And I would meet with these women and they come in and we'd go through the whole plan and we talk, A, they were always coming in when they had to do from the financial planning. It was mm -hmm. always event driven. The event was a divorce a widowing or some sort of inheritance situation. Always a traumatic experience that led to this. And when I started asking them, why do you weigh, why don't you engage confidence? It always came out. So the book, when you start to read it, and the forward is beautifully written by one of my um, clients. Uh, it, it really, it just tells the story of a lot of the incredible intelligent, smart, accomplished women that came through my door with this financial um, apathy is what they would call it. I'm like, this isn't apathy. This is not them choosing not to be involved. This is financial fear. And yeah. fear is not a place that we ever want to be in any form of our life. Right. You know, when I went through divorce uh, and I'm a smart, intelligent woman, you know, uh, with a master's, I, I was completely afraid of even learning how to do online banking. You know, I was afraid that there would never be the money in my account. And that, and that harkens back to when I was in my twenties and waiting tables and didn't have enough money to pay, buy groceries. But you know, I, there, I, I was, I was scared that I was going to have to be self-responsible for my money. Oh yeah. And look, honestly, as I, as I did more research and I call them the happy hour research, it was, I take my client, let's go have drinks. And you know, you give them a, a cocktail, they relax and they start telling you their stories. Um, and then really the finance world became really attuned to the fact that women present, they call it a $22 trillion opportunity. The wow. amount of money that they expect women to start to come into in 2021. Wow. Inheritance. I, some of that. I know it's amazing. And you know, women are 89% of the consumer decisions in America are made mm -hmm. by women. Mm -hmm. Women are a gigantic economic factor. So when banks started going out and polling and getting the data and it all started coming in, it was aligning itself to what I already knew, which was women lack confidence. I wanted to stick it a step further and go, well, where, when did this start? What came first, the chicken or the egg? 
And really it starts at a very young age. And it's something I talk about in my book. And that is that each of us have a money story. Each of us have a relationship with money that started way before we became married and decided to, you know, let our husband take over the finances or not because there are single women who don't look at their finances, who don't do financial planning. You can't just say that this is something that's happening um, to women who are married. It's, it's not. In fact, millennial women, unmarried millennial women tend to abdicate. They call it abdication of financial responsibility Mm. more than women of older generations. Really? Why is that? Quite frankly, um, they lived through the big, um, the great recession, as they call it, the 2007, Uh 2008 market dip when they were in high school, a lot of them, and they don't trust the financial markets. They don't understand them. They see them as something scary. Um, they also have a lot of different mentalities when it comes to saving. Um, a lot of millennials practice something called FIRE. Um, it's financial independence, retire early is what that stands for. So they'll work for two or three years and they will work nonstop and they will live very, very meagerly to hoard money so they don't have to work for the next four years. Uh-huh. And they'll just vacation for four years. And that's kind of their work cycle. It's very unique and, and it's just something that people are starting to talk about now. But what it brought back to that data was that this is not a problem that came because somebody put a ring on it and we fell into the, the convention of, of a man's going to deal with it. There is part of that and there are gender roles and whether you're an entrepreneur who is the breadwinner in the family, you still fall into that. And there are women who are the breadwinners. There are women who are entrepreneurs of incredible businesses. And they came to me and they said, I'm getting divorced. And here's the thing. I'm, I've been swindled. Oh. I've been swindled. He took all the money and ran. Or he had a problem and he used the money and I didn't know about it. Yes, and when you, ask these, when you ask these women, and there's a great book, um, called when she makes more and I can't remember the name of the author to save my life, but I know it's in my suggested reading at the end of my book. Um, and it talks about how we at times in that situation, give men control of the money to make them feel better because we're the primary breadwinners. But needless to say, it's something that we were seeing throughout. So I wanted the book to be anecdotal. And then I wanted to give those key takeaways of how do we start to change the narrative? Is the book going to solve the narrative in one full swoop? Nope. That, the second book, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's a, it's a learning curve for women. This is, this is coming outside of your comfort zone. This is changing the way of thinking, which is really hard when you have money stories that have been ingrained to you from society, um, that we're not good with numbers, that a man will handle the money, that money's dirty. I remember as a child being told by my mom, money's dirty, don't touch the money, money's dirty. We need to reframe that when we talk to our children and say, you know what, that money, that money may have germs on it. It's been a couple of places. Uh-huh. Why don't we you know, wash our hands after we deal with it? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying money is dirty, um, money is the root of all evil. That right. is, that is you know, and it's, yes, can it be the root of all evil? Definitely. It can also be the root of, all, of a lot of good because look at philanthropic work that gets done with money. You have to reframe the conversation. Money's not, you know, it's not black and white. It's, it's something we need and something we need to be empowered to use. Yes. So in my world, and I, and I want to tell a story from my personal life too, but in my world, uh, at, which I believe to be the truth, actually, money is energy. And the reason why it exists is because it's supposed to be exchanged, 
right? And so the more you circulate, the more you receive it, right? It, it, we, it, we need to be able to spend a certain amount in order to receive a certain amount. And, and once you get in the flow of that, uh, instead of hoarding your money, you know, misers don't have much love in their life. They don't have much of anything except money. And to, so circulating it is so important uh, to create financial wellness for the individual and for the community or the, the whatever, the, the nation. Um, but I wanted to share when you're talking about your mom saying money was dirty. So my mom used to handle the, the family bills until um, my brother came along and she had postpartum depression and she couldn't handle anything. And so my father took the bills out of the household. I never saw a bill being paid ever. And we, I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, you know, and uh, as little kids, and all I saw was her buying lots of stuff and writing a check. You buy lots of stuff and you write a check. I never knew what happened with the check. What, what was the money for, you know, where was the money? I never knew any of that. But she, there was always money because she always wrote a check, so I thought. So when I go to college, oh my God, this is embarrassing. I get a checking account. And I had my own, I was a commercial actress, so I had all my own money, uh, <clears throat> quite a bit. And I would just go and if I wanted to go buy something, I would write a check. Right. And I would write a check. And the bank would then call me and say, you're overdrawn. And I said, what do you mean? I have money in my bank. No, your checking account's overdrawn. I don't understand. And I never learned how to balance a checkbook until I was 26. And then I took great pride in, oh my God, got the last penny, got the last penny. I understand this now. Um, it didn't mean that I didn't panic, you know? So then I went to the converse of panicking whenever I wrote a check. Is there enough? Oh, please don't cash this until, you know, payday or whatever. But yeah, so we, there's all sorts of different stories of, for women, yes. I think, especially, mm -hmm. uh, and it's often modeled in the home, right? It is completely modeled in the home. I, I, I can tell you from my personal experience, my, my mother was the great budgeter. She was the person, um, she had, my parents had two checkbooks. My mom handled, you know, she paid everything that was important um, for our day-to-day -day living. And my dad handled the bigger stuff. Um, a little bit about my dad. My dad's a recovering alcoholic. Um, he's been in recovery for over 30 years. God bless him. Um, but at one point, he he did not pay the taxes. And my mom was not aware of this. And they got into a little bit of financial trouble because of that. And he dealt with it in his recovery. And they did great after. But it was something that really impacted my life. I am, and people laugh at me, I don't sign anything without reading it. And I make sure that, I, I, I mean, I will, and we have division of labor in my house. My husband handles certain things. I handle certain other things. And I say, did you deal with that? You, you did when? And it's not that I don't trust him. He knows right. where I'm coming from. I'm very authentic. You know, hey, I've got an issue. This is the issue. And I just need you to know it's not a lack of trust. It's just me. It's just how yeah. I'm wired. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. But also, I mean, and I can tell you, I had and I talk about look, people who money was a source of power control, of power dynamic oh, in the household. Yeah. And that happens quite a bit. Um, and that's where 
but that's where my flags kind of raise. When I start talking to a client and she has to ask for money or she has no idea. And this floored me. Um, women who had no idea how the money was made. How do you mean? Wait, they have, they have, what does your husband do? Oh, he's an entrepreneur. Well, what does he do? Oh, he has a lot of businesses. Uh Oh, they have no idea. Like, you know, what is it? Oh, he's, he's in construction. Well, what does that mean? But what does that mean? Like when you say he's in construction, which show me his building, point to the building. What is he building? Like they have, and they, and the husbands are in constructions and it's very up and up, but the women have no idea what the cash flow situation is, mm-hmm. what should happen if he should be in an accident. Mm-hmm. How does she keep that money going? Um, if they have no idea. And that comes from, they saw that at home. Mom never questioned. Um, dad, when it came to money, money magically appeared in the checkbook and the credit cards got magically paid for. And, and there are a lot of women there that when they start to divorce, do that financial affidavit and they, and you ask them, how much is your monthly not like, what do you have? To, I have no idea. <gasps> I have no idea. Wow. At least I had some idea when I got divorced, I knew cause I had been paying the bills for a while and then. Yeah. I gave the bill paying over to my husband. And I think that's when stuff financially went a little awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, I can, and I have to be, you know, to be honest, I, and I, I talk about this. I've talked about this in other speaking things um, that I've done. I used to be a stay at home mom. We lived in Greenwich. We were living, I call it the American dream, two girls, husband and finance. I was a stay at home mom. The girls were little and I had kind of left it to my husband because I had a daughter who had medical issues, she had a learning disability. And I was, I was, I felt that my responsibility and I felt socially that part of my responsibility was to take care of the little kids. Mm -hmm. And that's how I supported my husband. And he would come to talk to me about finances. And it was like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) I wasn't listening. And 2007, no, 2008, the big great, the great recession came and my husband had a shift in his job. And I remember sitting there going, um, how much do we need to cover everything? And he's like, are you kidding me? I tell you this once a year, like, and I'm like, sorry, but it wasn't listening. And then I got, a, I had to get a grip on what was going on. And I got it really quickly. I ended up in finance. Who knew? Right. <laughs> I, restarted who knew? My, I restarted my career in finance. Um, but it was definitely, it was definitely a learning curve for me as well. It's normal. And I don't want women to ever feel bad about this. Um, I don't want there to be a sense of shame or I should have, because they do come and they're very ashamed that this has happened. Oh God, yes. Yeah. And that's- It's demoralizing when you realize, especially if you're in, well, everybody's intelligent, but Mm -hmm. it's just demoralizing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, and I tell women, I go, it's, it happens to quite a bit of women. Um, A lot of us do this and it's okay. And we will get you from point A to point B. It's Mm -hmm. easy. It's, this is not rocket science. I say that in the book. It's not rocket science. Um, if you've ever, and I almost wish that I could take women to like a field day out to financial companies so they could meet the people and you, you realize they're not rocket scientists. They're ordinary um, Joes and Janes who put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. Right. And they're not making up uh, everything. No. They're following, no. there's certain guidelines they're following and all exactly. that Exactly. They're, they're following guidelines. I go, there probably is some incredible, you know, analyst somewhere in a Wall Street cubicle who went to MIT who can crunch numbers like a maniac, but that's not the majority of them. Right. So Victoria, what would be um, one or two tips that you would give uh, women? Okay. So I, I deal with a lot of women going through divorce or mm-hmm. 
about to enter into it and uh, in, in everything, feeling everything we've just talked about. So what would be one or two tips you would give them? My first tip, um, it's number one, it's know your numbers. Um, know your numbers. And by that, I say, if, if you're thinking about getting divorced and you have, you probably don't know what your credit score is. You haven't looked at that in a really long time. And credit score is going to matter because you may need to reestablish credit once you're divorced. Um, a lot of women think they have credit cards, but they don't. They just have a credit card that is in their name that their husband has given them from their account. Right. So it's in his name, so technically. It's, it's his credit. You just have a card he allows you to use. Uh-huh. Um, so I always say, look at that and um, pull a credit report on yourself. Uh, make sure that you have no situations where you may have signed something that you didn't realize. Um, a lot of women, uh, in fact, eight out of 10 women find a financial surprise upon divorcing or widowing. A lot of times that is debt she did not know had been incurred in her name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sad. It's, I did a blog on this last year. Um, a lot of times when we talk about financial infidelity and identity theft, it is mm-hmm. the person next to you that does that to you. Yep. Um, so that's really important. That's my first tip. Know your numbers. Know that credit score. Make sure it's high. Um, if, if as good as it can be, because you're going to need to possibly get an apartment and your credit, core, your credit score is going to be pulled when you start establishing yourself independently financially. So, so you want to have that number. So Victoria, mm-hmm. because you're mentioning this, so I have um, uh, a friend slash client who um, came to me this a couple of years ago and said, I think, I, I think I'm going to get divorced. And I said, okay, so what, what, here's what you need to do. I said, do you have a credit card in your name? She goes, well, yeah, I have a credit, just like what you said. I have a credit card. I said, is it his? She goes, oh yeah. I said, you need to get your own credit card. So I meet with her, you know, a little bit. I said, do you have your own checking account? Oh no, we have a joint, get your own checking account and get your own credit card. And I meet with her, I don't know, a few weeks later, did you get the credit card? Yeah. What's the credit card limit? $2,000. I said, no. Okay, here, you, <laughs> you're going to need a credit card because you're going to need to pay some bills until you are on your own feet and it needs to have a larger credit uh, limit and you're going to need it for paying rent. And she's like, really? It was, it was amazing. I was... I, but I had been in that boat. So yeah. And, and that happens to, to the vast majority of women. Um, they don't realize that, 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 that credit card isn't actually her, her credit. It's his. Um, and then they go to establish credit and because they haven't had it for so long, it's like being in college when you get that first credit card, they don't give you a huge limit. Um, that's something else that I also tell women and, and it falls into, this is a slippery slope for me because it does fall into a little bit of financial infidelity. But if you are thinking of getting divorced, you're probably already in a adversarial situation. You're not thinking this because you're happily married. So when you say financial infidelity, what do you mean by that first? Financial infidelity is a term that is used when we talk about hiding something that you're doing financially from your partner, whether it's okay. You're buying assets that they don't know about, whether you're yeah. taking money out of the checking account that they're not knowing, things like that. Um, you hear story. It's, it's also financial fidelity is the man who has an affair and buys gifts for his mistress or vice versa. That's, mm-hmm. Those are all marital assets. You, mm-hmm. you kind of have to tell each other what you're doing with the money. I'm zipping my mouth, zipping my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I tell women, if you're in the situation and you don't have the credit and you know you're going 
to, to either be filed on because you're expecting it and you women know, um, or you are going to file. Get a, I call it the bug out bag. Okay. Um, no man ever looks at the grocery bill. Get some gift cards from American Express or Visa. <gasps> That's a great idea. Bill. And I, it's totally financial for that. You shouldn't do it. But I like to protect my ladies um, and get some money on the side for yourself. Those can be used as cash. You can use them to buy groceries. Um, you can use it to nowadays pay for a lot of things. You can pay your cell phone bill. Because unfortunately, for as pleasant as people want to talk about divorce, divorce is a, a battle. It is acrimonious. It is, this is not fun. Um, people will do things you never expected and you're going to get your stuff cut off. You're going to, your cell phone, if, if it's on his account, he's going to cut it off. Um, he's going to, um, and very, and it takes a while to get that order of support in that temporary. Um, support yes, it does. In. It took me, uh, took me three months and then it wasn't enough to cover the mortgage because I was in the house and he told me I had to pay the mortgage. Right. So and, I didn't have anything left over for groceries. Yeah. And that's, that's what happens a lot of times. And women are then embarrassed to have to go out to ask for um, money from family members, which I, that's completely understandable, especially if you're living in a huge house and you're like, Oh my God. How, and, and, and how am I going to, or I know women have been kicked out of the house. They got home from dropping the kids off and there were two suitcases waiting for them at the house. Oh my gosh. Um, so you definitely have to make sure that you have bug out money. You need to, whether it's gift cards, whether you're just taking cash from here and there, um, figure something out. And I always tell women you should have an emergency fund, whether it's as a couple, you should have an emergency fund. Six months of your regular spending money should be, you know, set aside as a family. Wow, that's a lot, Victoria. Yeah, you know, the reason we say six months is because that might be how long it takes you in the event that one of you loses your job to get a job or something happens that you cannot work. Mm -hmm. this is one of those situations here, we're not thinking with what's going on right now in the country that you would need it for six months, but you might need it for two if you're not right. getting paid. Right. So that's kind of the idea. And six months, it's a rule of thumb. It's, it's just, it can be less. If you know, look, I'm in an industry, I can get my business going really quickly and you don't need that much, but six, six months is the average. Um, but I tell women, I go figure out how much will it cost me if I have to go get an apartment, if I have to get a phone, those, how much would I need to live on? Um, it, Yes, you're thinking I'm going to stay in the house. Hopefully, he has to pay the mortgage, but that doesn't, as you just said, no, it, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh uh. Yeah. And yeah. then when we sold the, I was paying the mortgage, and then when we, when I decided to sell the house, he mm -hmm. got half. Yeah. He got, I, I you know. Hmm. Well, and, and that is that is another thing that I tell women, and this is something I would tell the women that are either starting to get divorced or about to get divorced. We are not looking for an equal distribution of assets. We're looking for an equitable distribution of assets. Um, I happen to be a certified divorce financial analyst. So this is um, something that I've worked with as a financial advisor. I still continue to do now that I'm independent. Um, you need to look at the assets and pick the assets in a divorce that work for you. You need to establish goals, establish a budget, establish the goals, and then say, okay, it makes no sense for me to take X asset because I need cash now. I, or if that's your situation, or maybe your situation is I'm fine with cash right now and I want my retirement to be taken care of. So I'm looking at longer term assets. Uh -huh. Women don't know that. 
And a lot of times divorce attorneys, and there are some great ones out there, they just want to settle. They just want to, you know, settle next. Let's go to the next divorce. And keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> and, and this is where I really recommend look into using a certified divorce financial analyst. They are all over the huge. country. It's becoming huge um, to have you explain and run through those simulations to see what those assets actually mean. Um, I tell women also get in the mindset. This is a lifestyle change. And the quicker you can wrap your head around that, that the better off you're going to be keeping that house because you are emotionally tied to it is an anchor that will weigh you down. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. And, and a lot of women have a hard time, especially the, I want my kids and I get that. And I, I have children. I understand that we want them to feel whole and feel like nothing has changed, but everything has changed. Um, and it, being in a house in a situation where you can now no longer afford to pay it and see that crumbling financial situation around them is hurtful also. So let's get in that mindset really quickly. Life has changed and the financial picture has to change. doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. It's just for now. So Victoria, the thing that you said of being a, a, a divorce financial analyst, mm -hmm. that's important, everybody. If you're considering getting divorced, this Victoria is the woman you guys need to talk to before you actually file or at the beginning of filing. So you really have uh, a awareness of all of it. Because if you wait six months in or two years in, and then you go, wow, I think I should talk to somebody like that. You're going to get, you're going to already be screwed. I am just yeah. being honest. Right. It's, it's true. And no, and, and this, this is what certified divorce financial analysts, they come in. We would love to come in ideally at the beginning before you file. If you're the one that's going to file, unfortunately more women get filed on than actually file. Um, in which case, you know, I, I work with a lot of divorce attorneys. I tell them, get me in before the financial affidavit is presented. Okay. All lawyers have software to do this financial affidavit. The problem is they give you the software and you got to figure out what to put in it. Um, it would be great if you can just can your, your, and I say, come to my office with statements. And that's another big thing. If you're thinking of filing photocopy, every last statement, or at least two months actually would be great. Um, just that way we don't have to, you know, require, ask for a subpoena and get them subpoenaed from your, from your spouse. Which is um, takes forever. Ever. Yeah. If you can get them and know all the logins also to every account so that you can go in and print them because now everything is digital, um, print those out and then we can get the financial affidavit done. Hopefully if it's done correctly the first time, we're not doing a lot of revisions to it and we can get into the nitty gritty of mediating and who gets what and how are we going to separate these assets. Child support is different. Child support, and I tell this to women, child support is not it's going to be mandated by the state. The judge is going to look at a table. He's going to say, he, you know, this is X, this is X, this is what you're going to get. We have to work on the division of assets and which is more important now because of the tax treatment for spousal support. Um, but also spousal support, is it going to be permanent? Is it going to be temporary? Is it going to be, um, you know, what are we looking at here in terms and what do you need? Because more and more judges are not leaning towards giving, giving women permanent spousal support. So how much are you going to need and how long do you need and how are we going to get you back on your feet? And that takes a lot of not only, you know, the CDFA part where we're looking at different simulations and we're running different codes and laws and we have great family law software. We all have it um, to do these, these, you know, simulations and see what the financial picture looks like for you. 
but we also have to do a little bit of career coaching, I feel, mm-hmm. and, and maybe finding that person to work with you. How are you going to, if you haven't been working or maybe you have been working, but you haven't been really into developing your career. Now you have to, how is that going to work? Do you need to go back to school and get some education? Well, then we need to have the judge take that into account. And if you don't ask for it, you can't be told yes, but you can't be told no either. I mean, it's better to just say, let's see what you need. If you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria. Okay. So Victoria Lowe, her book is Empowering, Empower Your Worth, A Woman's Guide to Increasing Self-Worth and Self-Net. And her website is empoweredworth.com. If you are beginning a divorce, contemplating a divorce, I hugely, hugely recommend you contact her. Do you do like a um, online? I was just about to say, um, if you guys go onto um, my website, we have a 30-minute free consultation for all of Susan's listeners. The code is going to be EMPOWER30. And um, that is something I would love to give to you guys. You can, we have different um, tabs there. You'll see our, it's under services. You just click on that 30-minute consultation. It'll take you to the scheduling and it'll ask you for a coupon code put in that Empower 30 and you'll get that free session. In addition to that, we also have a free download. If you join our mailing list, completely free. Um, You'll get our blog once a month and you'll get different um, webinars and things that we do. And you will get a um, free download of the Money Stories workbook, that worksheet that's in the book, at the back of the book. Because we need to understand our money story and we need to work on how did we get to where we get with our relationship with money. So uh, everybody, we're going to put uh, Victoria's um, website and code in the show notes. And so you can go there after listening um, and, and access all of that and util- take, take advantage of her free offers here because, um, man, I, I, I wish I had met you when I was starting Aww. because I was at such a loss. And Thank you. I, there, and I ended up leaving quite a bit of money on the table because I just didn't know what I didn't know. Exactly. And that's it. And once you know, you know. That's and right. You're better off. Yeah. And then you're empowered. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, and I tell this to women, and if you ever have a man who's with you and he doesn't like you being empowered, let's find you another man. Oh, thank I mean, you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all, everyone, men and women, but especially women right now, deserve to be empowered. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So again, I want to invite everybody to go to my website, check out what's going, um, investigate my book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey. If you want to be empowered and then get ready for your second half of life, um, the work that's in the book that I wrote is work that I did when I was going through divorce. So I feel that it's been tested Um, and it certainly helped me come out the other side, not embittered, but happy and feeling free and loving myself more than I ever had in my life. And I still do. And it's been a while now. So, um, also I want to invite everybody to go to susanburrell.com and get a free guided meditation. It's called out of the box thinking. So you go to susanburrell.com backslash free dash gift dash meditation and um you can begin to really see how you've been 
boxing yourself in or how others have been boxing yourself in. So Victoria Lowe, thank you so much for joining me. I, I appreciate, I, I just want to say, oh my gosh, I'm getting chills again. I appreciate who you are and the work thank that you're you. doing. Thank you. Same here. I am so grateful that you're here supporting and helping women to have a much better life than what they ever knew they could. So thank you so much. Thank you. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.